Good morning. Today we continue with our talks uh, from First Peter, and we are going to look at First Peter chapter one from verses three to twelve. Uh, and so, please turn your Bibles to First Peter chapter three, uh, chapter one, verses uh, three to twelve, and read with me these verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable and defiled and fading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours sage and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is God's word. <clears throat> in last week's sermon, John in his introduction said, verses 1 and two of Peter are paired with implications from God's active presence with Peter and the elect. That there is joy in fruitful Christian living in the midst of suffering. But where do we find joy? What is the source of your joy? And I know it is a hard question to be asking each other in the season of COVID and the challenges that COVID has brought. It is a hard question in the midst of our economic context as Zimbabweans? Is it possible for the elect in Zimbabwe to live a fruitful, joyful life? And yes, the Christian life is a life of tremendous joy. And as we come to these verses, Peter lays out four great reasons for joy for the elect. Reason number one, joy in the new birth and future heavenly rewards. Verses 3 to 5. Reason number 2. Joy even though we may suffer. Verses 6 to 7. And number 3. Joy in knowing Jesus Christ. Verses 8 to 9. And lastly, joy in our Christian privileges. Verses 10 to 12. And so let's look at the first reason. Joy in the new birth and future heavenly rewards, verses 3 to 5. 
In these verses, Peter begins by praising God. He says, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we have in these verses should motivate the elect to praise God. And he gives us reasons for praising God. Look there in verse 3. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. God in his mercy, in his grace, he miraculously gave sinners new life. And notice, it is God who initiates and gives this new life. He is the one who causes people to be born again. It is not us or anything in us that causes us to be born again. New life is according to God's great mercy. And Peter says, we have been born again to something. That is to a living hope. Plato once said, we people are full of hope throughout our whole life. That is why we wake up and we say, I hope today it is going to be a sunny day. Or I hope tomorrow it will rain. Or I hope my soccer team Manchester United will win today. You see, our hope is based on human wisdom and thinking. And sometimes it is blind hope. But notice Peter says, we have been born again to a living hope. It is living because of God's act in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope is living. It is not dead. It grows and increases in strength year by year as we continue to trust in Jesus. And notice he says also, we have an inheritance kept safe. Now what is this inheritance, which is the object of our living hope? Well, it is not like the promised land of Canaan, which was Israel's inheritance. If you read Numbers chapter 32 verse 19, this inheritance is not earthly. It is the elect's portion in the new creation and all its blessings. The inheritance that awaits God's people is wonderful and contrasts greatly with the other things in which we are tempted to place our hopes for the future. For Peter stresses both its quality and its permanence. It is untouched by death, unstained by evil, unimpaired by time. All earthly possessions will ultimately decay and be destroyed. But this inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Unlike earthly wealth, it will never wither, grow dim, or lose its beauty or glory. We have an inheritance. Notice that this inheritance is kept for us in heaven. It is secure. God himself has stored up or reserved this inheritance in heaven for you this morning if you are trusting in Jesus. Reassuringly, this inheritance or the inheritance is not the only thing that is kept. We ourselves are guarded through faith by God's power while we wait for our inheritance. What a comfort! There would not be much point having a secure future inheritance if we do not make it that far. But God will ensure that we do. God causes us to be born again. And he continues to keep us in faith so that we will 
in fact not make shipwreck of our faith and lose the inheritance and a guarantee of our inheritance. Praise be then to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because in his great mercy he has given us a great hope an eternal inheritance and a guarantee that we will receive it. The future hope and inheritance that the elect have motivates believers and should motivate you and me this morning to respond with intense salvation joy which continues throughout our earthly lives. Secondly, joy even though we may suffer. Verses 6 to 7. And Peter says in verse 6, In this you rejoice. In the reality of the hope and the future inheritance we have, Peter says, you rejoice. But the reality of Christian life is that joy is mingled with grief. The Christian life is not all joy. For Peter says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you may, you may be grieved by various trials. The reality of Christian life is not Oh, joy, but grief also. Yet these believers are rejoicing, even though they may suffer grief. For a little while, Christians will experience grief in various trials, only as it is necessary in the light of God's great and infinitely wise purpose for them. Joy and grief is normal in the lives of believers. But faith looks at the glorious unseen realities beyond these various trials and rejoices. As horrible as the experience of trial may be, believers know that they last only a little while and will soon give away to the experience of internal inheritance. And notice in verse 7, Peter now gives a clear explanation of the divine purpose behind the grief which Christians experience. Christians may have to, may have to experience grief in various trials, look then verse 7, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God brings situations of testing to refine and to purify the faith of his people. Trials burn away any impurities in believers' faith. Fire does not destroy gold. It only removes combustible impurities. Yet even gold will at last vanish with the whole of this created order even though it is precious. Faith is infinitely more precious and more enduring. Like a jeweler putting his most precious metal in the crucible, so God proves us in the fairness of trial and afflictions. What is left when, when the trials have ended is purified, genuine faith. And this genuine faith is far more valuable to God than God because God delights in seeing his children trusting in him even in the midst of suffering. 
And the reward of this genuine faith is praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As painful as suffering can be, it is not a sign of being abandoned by God, but quite the opposite, as a test sent by God. It is evidence of being chosen and the great reward of this genuine faith is praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Our third great reason for joy. Look there in verse 8 and 9. Joy in knowing Jesus Christ. Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. In these verses, Peter talks of the nature of Christians. Even though they had not seen Jesus like Peter with their physical eyes, they love him. Their normal day-to-day experience is personal, is personal daily relationship with the extended Lord Jesus through prayer and worship and reading and reflecting on the words of Jesus. And this leads to joy. Joy in knowing Jesus. Through daily relationship with him. Joy in knowing Jesus. Through reading his word and prayer. And not only do they love Jesus. Peter says, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy. That is inexpressible. This is true of all Christians. While we wait for Jesus returns, we believe in him. Whom we do not see. And to believe in Jesus means to trust, to have full confidence in him, to totally depend in Jesus. And we, we rejoice with joy every day of our life. Our daily personal fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ himself is cause for a greater rejoicing with inexpressible joy. Do you find joy in knowing Jesus? Do you find joy in reading his word? Do you find joy in praying? You see, as we continue believing in Christ and experiencing joy in knowing Jesus by taking eyes off the outward circumstances and focusing instead on Jesus daily, trusting and depending in him, we begin to obtain now in the present the ultimate goal of our faith. That is salvation. There is inexpressible joy. In knowing Jesus Christ. And this morning, I wonder whether you know him. Do we know Jesus? The last reason for joy is there in verses 10 to 12. Joy in our Christian privileges. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours said, and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that, he, that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. 
things into which angels long to look. You see, Christians are greatly privileged for we have salvation and the blessing of this salvation is greater than anything that was imagined by Old Testament prophets or even angels. For Peter says, concerning this salvation of verse 9, which the believer is obtaining, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to ours, they searched diligently. They searched the scriptures, seeking God. And the life version they were receiving from the Holy Spirit in them. Look there in verse 11. They knew of a Messiah who would suffer and then be glorified. But they did not know exactly who the Messiah would be or when he would come. Information that is now known by us Christians. We are privileged. As such, the prophets saved not themselves, but they were saving New Testament Christians. They were saving you and me. They spoke not of their own experiences, but of the grace that was to be given to the Christians when Jesus finally came. You see, the thought here is staggering and would have sustained Peter's readers in the midst of, of their suffering. Men like Isaiah wrote the Old Testament not for them, but for us. They were saving you and me. We are privileged people. Do you find joy in these privileges? Do you find joy in knowing that you are privileged as a Christian? You see, this means that the gospel that we hear every Sunday preached to us by spirit-empowered men is not some new or a strange philosophy, but is in fact the true grace of God. We are privileged Christians, for we live in the great time of glories, which was long foretold. The prophets were in fact repeatedly ministering for the benefit of you and me. And the world-changing event, which is the gospel, has now been proclaimed to you and to me this morning through the working of the Holy Spirit sent in a new power from heaven. Friends, though the world may think that Christians are small, And are worthy of pity or of scorn. Angels who see outward reality from God's perspective find us to be the object of intense interest. For they know that these struggling Christians or these struggling believers are actually the recipients of God's greatest blessings. We are privileged Christians. Now, friends, this truth in these verses are great. But what does this truth mean for you and me this morning? Well, Peter's chief aim in these verses is to cause us to bless or praise God for the mercy that he has given to us. And in particular, for the new life that is ours in Christ. We are now a people of hope a people with a certain internal inheritance. 
Let's not gloss over this or minimize it. Praise God for the specific qualities of our inheritance. There is nothing else like it in this, in this world. And this is made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise God, therefore, for the willingness of Christ to die for you. What will it look like to maintain our praise of God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ through the next 24 hours, the next week, and the few months? May I suggest that you write out a prayer that turns the objective truth of this passage into your own words of praise and use the prayer daily for a week? Do you have the right expectations of the Christian life? For if we have the right expectations of the Christian life, we are better equipped to persevere in it. Suffering is not a mistake or even an expression of our Father's displeasure. Instead, we can rejoice in suffering, confident that our perseverance under trial both demonstrates the genuine nature of our faith and will result in praise for Jesus when he returns. The Christian life is a life of tremendous joy. Amen.